welcome to Blue Collar Love, Starflyer 59 Retrospective. My name is Samuel. Hey man, you tired? You look worried. Well, yeah, that's me. And my name is Aaron, <laughs> and I love Sam like I love the little bird. And this episode, we're so excited. We have a Jason Hansen on board. Welcome, Jason. Thank you, thank you. Awesome to be here, guys. So, Jason, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, what's your relation to the Starflyer community? you have any projects you do? What's up in your life? Thanks, man. Yeah. Um, I, I've just uh, been part of the Starflyer community a long time, uh, sometimes on the outside of that, sometimes on the inside, a long time ago during uh, the whole – tooth and nail um era i would say i uh, played in a, a band called never enough that was always uh kind of like that almost famous movie we were <laughs> one degree of separation from a lot of cool stuff but stayed on the outskirts of it so i hung out with jason a lot uh back then and that whole crew uh ronnie and got to know him it's been a long time since i've, I've chatted but since then um during the pandemic, me and a couple couple guys who've been in and out of different bands, we said, hey, let's uh, record a version of uh, The Dungeon off of the Silver album. And so we did, and they actually launched a band called Right for Romance and um, just released a vinyl cassette and EP with um, Steadfast Records and Friend Club Records back in February. So... This is like super exciting. I'm stoked to I'm kind of joining more as a, a fanboy, really, right? Uh, hanging out and excited to go over this particular list of songs today. Rock on! Yeah, we're excited to have you, man. It's it's always cool. I think it's cool to get the the almost famous people, like people that are like, yeah, I was there, but no one really paid attention to me. I feel like it gives you some unique insight to everything. It was great because I could just be me. I never uh, dressed cool enough, so when it was, like, off stage, I blended in at, like, Cornerstone and places like that. <laughs> and then on stage, kind of transform uh, personas. But like you said, he kind of be a fly on the wall and have a lot of fun stories but never never be in the, the thick of it. I have uh, signed autographs for other bands, though, like Morales Forest. That was pretty fun. Stuff like that is also what you get to do when you're in that almost famous realm. You can – yeah. Wait, wait, for real. Go into detail on that. So I was at, I would hang out like with these different bands, right? And I was at a show in um, Illinois, Wonderland Ballroom. Morales Force is playing, probably like the Prayer Chain with Starfly 59 were playing. I don't know, you know, it, that was the era. And I was hanging out with Sydney and. Of the other cats and uh, you know teenage kids they just they don't know you know who the bassist is a lot of time <laughs> just kidding um, guys they do know who the bassist is but a lot of times they don't and so someone just they came don't. up was getting Sid yeah someone was getting Sydney's autograph and then they're like shot it at me and I was like probably put John three sixteen or something there much love Jason and the rest is history so stuff like that would happen it would be be fun. So there's some kids out there, they're, they're vinyl, yeah. as much love Jason, and they're like, who the heck is Jason? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Like, oh, that was that guy it, it, that, like, was in the band for, like, a show, right? And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
I would have I would have done a crazy Bible verse though about like the Deuteronomy with the they had like testicles the size of burnt donkeys or something like that. That I would yeah. have John three sixteen. I would have totally did, did that. And then we were, I thought it was John three sixteen, but I don't know. I was too uh, I was caught off guard. I just kind of rolled with it. I should have memorized cool verses like that. I didn't have them memorized. Those are the ones you gotta memorize, man. Yeah, <laughs> hey, if I ever. If I ever get the chance to do some more fun autographs like that, that's what I'll do. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead. Um, we already had um, part one of this episode with um, Nathan Schumer. Schumacher. Schumacher. Schumacher, yes. Um, we already had part one with him where we reviewed the first half of Ghosts of the Past, the, the pseudo B-Sides album. That's just kind of a collection of um, the vinyls, seven inches that were released prior to the release of Dial M. Um, we're not going to do the second half of this B-Sides, like the third half, I guess, of this B-Sides collection, where it's all the B-Sides from the previous EPs, because we've talked about all those EPs in past episodes. Um, what we are going to talk about is tracks 11 through 20, um, and we're just going to hit it track by track. And then um, if Aaron wants to, like, give some final thoughts on this album, he's free to. I personally, it's it's a B-Sides collection, so I don't have, like, any grand thoughts on it. But I definitely have some thoughts on these songs. So it's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah, it will be. I'm in. Let's do it. All right. That's what so. he said. Right. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm going to take a sip. Sip of my drink here. <laughs> All, right, All right. What's the first song, Sam? We're going to kick this off. Track 11, I Love You Like the Little Bird. Um, and honestly, this was probably my favorite song off of Dial M. Um, this version is gentler, almost prettier. Um, it's certainly a prettier Starflyer song than I'm accustomed to. Um, I don't know if even like Bon Voyage was not this pretty. Um the song uh, continues kind of the meta commentary from My Island and especially Dial M about the, the love of some of your craft. And, um, you know, even if you feel obsolete, there's a great line. I love this that like the kids are all like the beats too slow. I'm like, man, Jason was just born old. I love him. I relate to him so much. This, you know, all, yelling at all these kids who got my lawn all the time. So it is a great opener to the second half, and um, I don't notice a whole lot of difference between the demo version versus the studio version, but it's just a great song. Um, sometimes you just get good songs that doesn't matter how it's sung. It's still just good, no matter what. So I don't have a whole lot to say about it. Jason, tell us your thoughts on I Love You Like a Little Bird. I think what what you touched on resonates probably the most for me. Um, in fact, like, side note, Jason Martin just being like born old, like you said, <laughs> and talking about it this way, like the lyrics, I feel so obsolete because the kids want a faster beat. Um, that's the inspiration for even just doing music now, like jumping back in and just putting one out um, this past February is that, you know, having inspiration from other musicians, particularly in this case, Jason, being able to still put stuff out and go, man, that that still resonates and sounds amazing, right? So this particular song, though, while I like the lyrics, it's probably one of my least favorite. 
I think, um, you know, I don't have a lot to say about it. It's, it is chill. It's got a nice, like, even-keeled tempo to it. It's pretty. It does give me, um, I think, I've mentioned this before, a Beatle-esque feel to it, which Aaron will is gasping. Hey, right no, now. the Beatles are amazing, man. No shame. No shame. I, I I'm, so, no shame I'm dying right now. I know you are, and you're just <laughs> waiting. But, you know, Samuel and I agree. I mean, Beatles is, is killer. So I, I don't think that's a, you know, a bad comparison at all. But it's pretty just even kill for me. This I could do with or with without um, this song altogether. Okay, so we're gonna start this off with the first bless your heart, bless your heart, John. <laughs> bless your heart. Bless your heart, man. Come on, this is the best song in this whole collection. Oh, come on, man. It's the best. No, it's the best. And I'm gonna tell you why. Why? But first, before we get there, four stars, four stars out of five. Um, so this, even though this is a collection of B sides or outtakes whatever not a typical albums you know whatever it still has a nice flow to it because before this we have you know um uh spooky yeah we have spooky which is a great instrumental then we have the mr martin songs we're trying to and, and you so like you kind of like losing you know it's like okay it's jason it's not terrible but come on and then I love like the little bird, like the, the beginning of the second half. I was like, whoa, here we are, we're back. Okay, okay, I'm here for it. And then it's, it's like the perfect placement for the song. That might be why it's my favorite too, but even besides it being a great song. And like you said, Sam, it is a pretty song. I think there's some Bon Voyage songs that are more beautiful, but you're right. This is a, it's for a Starfire song. It's very beautiful. Um, lyrically and musically, um, it's just it's just so perfect and and what you were um, saying, Mr. Hanson, too, um, about how um, it, you know the you know um, the bastard beat line and how that inspired you. We were talking with the Magnified Plaid uh, guys um, last week, and we were talking about how we envisioned J- Jason like as a person. And yeah, I I, I don't see him. As, I see him as like the 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 guy who's just wise above his years, like the 16 year old guy who, wherever I was talking about, you know, whatever, like, Oh, I'm listening to this man. He would say something like, have you listened to Isaac Hayes? You know, <laughs> you know, it's just like, he's an old soul that just was just always beyond his peers. And clearly that's why he's still making music 25 years. So I, I see him more. Yeah. He's an old soul. And so old souls, they write about more timeless things. They're not talking about like, uh, whether it be like sex, drugs, and rock and roll in the secular market or in Christianity, let's baptize as much people and evangelize for Christ. You know, he's singing about real, real things, you know. And so this song is, you know, obviously about his kids, you know, and everything. And that's timeless. Um, this song makes me feel so many things, um, especially when I'm 43. Like you know, when I when this came out, I think I was in my early late 20s early 30s maybe whatever and so yeah now like when i listen to it now it just hits me differently because you know you just like reflect and it's like am i trying to live for myself or others you know and so jason this song's like these kids want these things faster beats whatever mama do me and people respect that all right so enough i know i'm rambling on that sorry but yeah love this song 
right, Aaron, I know you really love this next one, so tell me about Mall Monarchy. I do. This is my second favorite song in the collection. Right now, we're like on a tear right now. This is my second favorite song in this collection. Another four-star song. Um, the the force and passion of Jason's lyrics um, during the chorus are a revelation. Like he's just nah, 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 nah. he's like the, his lyrics are just like smashing. I wish that he would sing in this um, um, tone of voice more. It's just it's, it's not aggressive. It's just yeah, passionate. It's like earnest, earnest. There we go. That's what I'm looking for. It's very earnest. Um, this song would have looked crushed in a live setting. Like, or in clubs. This song could be a club song. It's amazing. The music, this is why I love Starfire. The music, it's like, who makes this? This is like new wave, straight up rock. I don't know. It's just a, it's, it's, it defies, um, a lot of Jason's songs kind of defy um, classification. But it's just, I mean, this music is amazing. There's nothing flashy. There's no cliche rock and roll um, tricks on here. But it's such a cool song. Why? I don't know. Just because Jason's a songwriting genius. That's it. I love it. <laughs> Jason, tell me what you got. So okay, Aaron, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to lay it down a little bit, man. First, I agree. This is one of my favorite uh, songs on, on the collection. But this is a cover from a band, Compulsion. And if you listen to the original, oh, it was like 1994 or something on Interscope. And um, it's it's much faster, like cliche, uh, alternative sort of rock from that era. So what Jason does to interpret it is, is really um, – Great in approach. And, and again, um, just to personalize it because it's top of mind, but that's how, for example, I approached covering the dungeon, right? You take the essence of a song, you keep that ethos, right? You don't, you can change it, but I love it when someone pays homage to the original, but changes it enough to make it their own. And that's what Jason did with this song. And if you compare the two, he slows the tempo down. It's less, um, it's sort of saturated with, with alternative guitars and a little crisper. It's a little tighter. And I, I agree. It's just got this, like, new wave-ish kind of vibe. You, you have hints of that that, you know, come throughout, like, later albums, too. And I just stylistically think this is, like, right in his sweet spot when he does stuff like this, uh, taking from the shoegaze elements and his, like, indie rock elements and it's darker so all of those things combined i think it's just a brilliant um a brilliant interpretation of the original and you know so much so that aaron i mean really it could be like some of his lyrics and the way he authentically executes on it it's it's yes. not shocking to think it's his do you know what i mean and that's that yeah. is like how a cover should be in my opinion personally and I meant to say that. That's why I said it's not a, a cliche rock song with the elements, but I probably may or may not have too many drinks tonight. Um, and because I know that <laughs> I know that version, and that um, it sounds very cliche rock to me. And it's just like it, does. Yeah, song, right. it sounds dated. It sounds dated. And this song is not dated. It it, it, it stands the test of time. <laughs> and I would go one step further and say the original is not even memorable. 
like this far exceeds the original in my opinion. Yeah, I won't argue that. I agree. <laughs> what do you think, Sam? <laughs> Unlike you guys, I'm not excessively familiar with the original. Though, um, I do agree with what you were saying, Jason. Covers are tricky, right? Um, if you do, like, your own thing too much, it's not even recognizable as the same song and is kind of weird. But mm-hmm. then if you go the Weezer direction and just, you know, do a, a note-for-note cover and it could be the most uninteresting thing imaginable. Yeah. Uh, so you got to, like, find that right balance of, you know... Um, making it your own, but still paying homage and making it interesting. Um, as for this one, it sounds like a Starflyer song. Like Jason totally just makes it sound like a Starflyer song. It sounds grumpy, doomy. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the song, I'm baffled by the lyrics a little bit. They seem to be ruminating on the death of a friend, but someone who loved malls, maybe. Um, it sounds like something... That would be right at home on everybody that makes mistakes, honestly. Um, and I wonder if, okay, I'm going to go into like a, a random factoids tangent here, but malls are fascinating because malls were originally created. Um, there was like a guy who had a grand dream of having an indoor public square where everyone could share and you know, um, sell stuff and be happy together and have like an almost utopic setting indoors. And then a whole bunch of rich white guys all said, Hey, there's a tax loophole with malls where if we invest our money in these malls, we won't have that money taxed. And so that's why there were hundreds and if not thousands of malls created all over America between the 1950s and the early 2000s, and why so many died. Definitely thousands, definitely thousands, for sure. <laughs> and why we, they, so many couldn't survive, because they, they oversaturated the market. And I wonder if this song isn't kind of speaking to that like shallowness of, you know, this guy who, who died, I feel bad for him, but he was also a really shallow guy who just, you know, was creating all this stuff that in the end didn't matter. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. And and, and no, I agree with that. But in, in even even if that's true or not, I just want to make another musical point. And this is my problem with the Mr. Martin homage to Richard Swift. He doesn't make the the with both versions. He doesn't make it at Starfire. But like you like you said, Sam, this sounds like a Starfire song. He makes it his own. Just like with when Chris Cornell covered Princess, nothing compares to you. That's my favorite version of that song of all the versions. And, but he made it his version. He did it in a way that was his uniquely in like those Mr. Martin songs. Just, it just sounded like he was trying to do a version of those songs. Whereas this one, he made a Starfire song. Fair enough. All right. Jason, kick us off on M23, which I believe had its title changed on dialing. If I remember correctly. Good call. I don't know. Uh, was it? Yeah. Let's see. What was it on Dial? No, M23 is still the track listing on Dial. I was just checking because you had to me for a curveball there. Oh, um, yeah, I think it, it was. Yeah, it wasn't M23. Something else. What was it called? Oh, my gosh. Whatever. Go ahead. We'll figure it out later. <laughs> yeah. And now, now I'm all curious. Um, I, I love this song. I think it's uh, another in, in the pocket, like Starflyer vibe. What's interesting about 
this song. So first, musically, it has um, great elements that, I don't know, for me, I love and kind of throw back to some of the stuff with um, My Island. It's like a slowed down sort of, I really enjoy My Island, by the way. So that's a fueled up conversation for another time amongst Starflyer fans. But I, hey, I think it's a great I album. like My Island. We, thank I you. Mean, when are we getting vinyl? Come on, Cloud, if you're listening. Uh, I, see, oh, it's no. funny. I used to hate it, and now we're not getting into it, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I still hate it, but no, I really love Violin, so, but this has a nice take on, on that vibe, right? And it, it, it is a little darker, chiller, slower tempo. So I think musically it's a nice um, extension of that um, era of writing for him. And then lyrically, I think that's the strongest piece of this because, you know, I, I, I find it interesting that Jason on every album, you know, thanks his Lord and Savior, right? But arguably, you know, he appeals way beyond, you know, those who are claiming Christian faith or live in that faith or post that faith, people who have yeah, gone like from me, I'm a, I'm a, yeah. I used to be a pastor, I'm an agnostic, and I'm still on board. <laughs> right, right. You know, and, uh, and at the same time, it, it's it's tasteful where, where he's sort of just uh, calling like revelation and calling, and calling you know, um, in the Gospels in a twinkling of an eye and and yet you sense a little bit of doubt in there, like, hey, are you speaking to me? It's kind of like this spiritual inspiration. And I wonder, I, I, do you think that lyrically, um, when, he, when he makes that comment, like, um, you know, let's see, where is it at? Uh, when he says, hey, man, did you write that for me? It seems like it. That really spoke to me. But you made it up. You made it up. It goes on there. That's intriguing, like, as, I guess a juxtaposition, right? Like, what do you think he's talking about, like, authentically something from a religious scope, like a pastor or, like, the Bible itself, like, hey, or not? Like, yeah, when he goes yeah. into this, you've made it up. Like, what is he making yeah. fun of people that are, like, overly, like, oh, wow, that spoke to me? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a former pastor, I will happily expound upon this. And um, <laughs> <laughs> there's, I, um, I'm sure you've experienced that a lot. Like, wow, you know, and, and, someone's being like that. Just spoke right here. I think okay, and we'll get into this more. The White Lighter album too with Mark Solomon. Some of those lyrics are just like. A, it's shocking to me that Jason, given his religious belief, that he would allow he would play on some of the songs that had some of those lyrics. But anyway, I think, and again, don't never met the guy, just totally just reading as a fan. I think he is. I think um, because Jason doesn't seem strike me as someone who would believe doubt does the this um sanctity or the the divine nature of the bible he's like a, a true believer in that so i think you're right jason that it's more of a make it fun of those people that you know when people say that oh he just wrote that for me and, and, and you see in some of his lyrics um jason's too that um people who are like so mm, fake or flashy or insincere in, in their beliefs he calls them out um, and I think that's what he's saying here. I think that what he's saying is that, yes, 
the scriptures for everyone and for you to think that this is just written for you you're making that up like it's not about you you know it's about the faith it's about something else yeah so i think you're right on that that's how i take it anyway Mm -hmm. i like that that a lot because go ahead continue continue your critique critique though oh no i think it was a good segue turning it over to you guys to to get your thoughts on it but that i find it yeah, I, I think I uh, I think I have a full stop there. It was really a point to to pass it along because it's interesting. It is what, what he's what he's framing in here, and then kind of like in the middle, it's sort of that curveball, and I'm like, oh wow, that's got me thinking. Like, and it's not like he's using over articulating like over articulated words or like you know stuff I got to look up in the dictionary, right? Like, it's yeah. very like plain but thought provoking. Anyway, so and you know. It, I'm sorry, go ahead, Sam. Yeah, you go ahead. Go ahead. So you know what Jason's lyrics remind me of in so many ways? Um, bluegrass. Bluegrass or, like, um, southern music. And the reason why, and I love those genres, because... Like southern outcast rap or southern gospel? What type of southern music? Don't monolith us, Sam. You northerners, man. We're not a monolith. <laughs> okay. So what I mean is like <laughs> how about that? Southern folk music. And here's what I mean by that. Um in in Southern folk music and bluegrass, they will freely sing one song about God, you know, and how, you know, Jesus' blood saved us all. And they will freely sing another song about their dirty cheating wife who they're really mad at right now, right? Like, they, they have no contradiction. It's just all life to them. And I feel like um, that's that's why Jason's leaders remind me of that. He's not singing about... He doesn't he doesn't try and separate the, the divine and the secular. It's just like, it's all part of my life. It's all who I am. I'm not going to separate it. It's all just... it's This is all of me. And I think that's what, um, you know, these lyrics kind of feed into that. Of, um, I believe this scripture, you know, I, my personal interpretation is this is what he wants written on his gravestone or like his eulogy to be. Um, and just part of believing all that stuff is also, hey, I actually do have doubts about it every once in a while. That doesn't make it less sincere. I just, you know, I do have doubts. Um, and, uh, that's just what it is. So that's, that's what these lyrics kind of drive home for me among many other lyrics. All right. That's it. You're done, Sam, or you got any more? Um, the uh, the music itself yeah. uh, gives me old Smith vibes. <sighs> I don't know if anyone else got that, but I'm getting Smith Mm-mm. vibes here. I didn't. Uh, I'm loving the accordion, or at least the convincing programming program of an accordion. And uh, the drum loop adds some really great texture to this song. So I'm vibing with this song a lot, and... I really just love the the lyrical line. I'm tired and rely on Christ. I just it's it's something I relate to, you know. So Aaron, have at it. Tell us why we're all wrong. <laughs> no, no, you're well. I mean, you're all done wrong, Sam. That's how I love this. <laughs> First of all, it's not a southern thing to do, or a brew glass thing to do that. Prince did the whole same thing. He wrote a song about God and how he's great, and then he talks about banging some 
woman in some crazy way with Trojans and used condoms in their pocket. So it, it's an American, that's probably an American thing, first of all. Um, secondly, yeah, and it's the, the lyric that, um, I mean, so the lyric that Jason came up with, but then also at the beginning, hey man, write it so they'll see it's not, I'm tired. My melody. I've been writing since I was 23. My memorial. M- memorial. And I think you're. I mean, if something's going to be write, or written on Jason's tombstone, it's going to be I'm tired, or I'm old, <laughs> or I'm old and tired. And so it's really interesting because <laughs> M23. I don't know if you got it. It's Matthew 23, where he gives him the great commission: go out to the world and make disciples of one, or whatever. I can't. I'm. That's not the direct quote, but basically that's what it is. It's in Matthew 23, 28 or something like that. And it's interesting because he said since 23, he's been writing, which when he started his music. No, he didn't start his music. Maybe he did. Okay, whatever. Yeah. So that's, yeah. And so he said his music is his memorial. So his music is what he's putting out. And so now he's connecting it to the, the Great Commission. And so, and like we mentioned earlier, um, obviously, you know, every album he dedicates to his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so he's clearly trying to make art and music, but still sp- um, speak about Christ in a very appealing, artful way that doesn't turn agnostics off or atheists because he has atheist fans, too. And so that's that's going to be his memorial. And so I think that's really cool that that connection between Matthew 23 when he started his musical career at 23. Three stars for me. My 12th favorite song on out of these um, 20 songs. Um, this song should have been a closer on this talking voice versus singing voice because, you know, he has that, you know, the longest line, which is not a terrible song. But I think this would have been so better um because it's it's the same thing as it's a it's a jesus song strong 80s i say depeche mode more than smith's for being but i hate mm. smith so that's probably why um and it speaks about the rapture so again just like the longest line so but it fine um as a replacement and this is why i love jason's lyrics so much because like i said you know sometimes they're very cryptic um and he's, but when he sings about god he doesn't beat us over the head with it you know um a lot of Christians do that, and, you know, that's why some of, like, you know, mainstream indie Christian music, a lot of it's, like, outdated on and really listens to it because you had P.O.D. singing song, Abortion is Murder, like, you yeah. know, depending, I mean, I can, that's going to rub people different ways, and a lot of people aren't going to be able to vibe with that now, but what Jason's song, what he sings about God that even a non-Christian is not going to be down with, it's not, you know, it doesn't beat you over the head with it, it, it it's, You'll be fine with it. Um, the stems and the drum at the end are great too. Um, I'm a sucker. That sound that that at the end of the song, like I'm just a sucker for that. Like it's just such a, it's like macaroni and cheese for my ears. So yeah, three stars for this. Twelfth best song. I like it. We still go that song for a long time. <laughs> I think uh, the proper term for uh, Jason's kind of folky wisdom, salt of the earth wisdom. People call it in the South, right? Yeah, salt of the earth, yeah. He's a very salt of the earth guy. They say that in the Midwest, too, against Sam. Stop with your stereotypes. Indiana <laughs> 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 is like that perfect segue between, you know, South and North. It's just, we're just kind of caught in between. Yeah, I got you. Like like Pluto. <laughs> we don't have a shout out. Love, Havelina. <laughs> All right. All right, what we got next? 
I'll take the next one first. Guitar Man, if that's cool. Yeah, go for it. Sure, because it's the, my 19th favorite song of the 20. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is a cover. I got it. Um, two and a half stars. <sighs> this would have been a better closer on Leave Here Stranger than your, your, your company, which I know. If this happened, no, because the, lyrically it's sad. Like um, the rest of the album, and so it had been a nice cohesive thing. And although, look, objectively, your company is a better song. I'm not arguing that. But had this been the closer, and, it's, and you know, that's that's why albums are so important. That's why I hate streaming so much because, like, when you, when artists are like crafting an album, set like track listing is so important, or like live shows, like it's so important. And like streaming sucks because you can shuffle or just you know whatever and it just loses it it changes like the vibe of the song completely um anyway um but anyway it's almost a country song and now i'm thinking about it this would have been more actually perfect than changes of guard too (laughs) it should have been here though because with everything that's going on this album it doesn't fit the vibe it would have on track listing wise like if you were to took coconut trees off of changing the guard which i'm gonna talk about when we do that exhaustively so prepare for that um but it was on this collection i think it would have degraded it so much like it would have probably been like just that afterthought for me it's just i don't know track listing is so important um how come there's no background vocals on these songs it's tragic because uh, most of the solid start by songs have great backing vocals and i think that's another thing that really breaks this down and i know this is a cover song by brad i think i don't even look it up i don't, I don't even, I even listen to it but because i was so impressed by it. i was like there's no way because jason's a genius there's no way this song is better than this so why waste my time whoever wants to go take it next <laughs> jason go for it you got it i'm um in uh, pretty strong agreement with you on this aaron um and i did for for the heck of it take a quick uh, spin of Brad's version. And, and I think part of um, being on Impress is, honestly, Jason didn't do much to transform this cover, uh, quite frankly, other than sing it in a lower octave because he has like a lower voice, right? So if you listen to Brad's original, it's definitely like 60s, 70s kind of vibe. There's a little more accent on the twang and um, – and things like that, it, 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 you know, Bread's uh, singing at a, a higher octave, so it's just kind of got that a little more of an airy feel. Jason kind of brings it down with his more of a, I don't know if it's a baritone voice, but it it's lower. I, I have a hard time singing that, though. So, um, yeah, I just, I'm with you. I guess I don't have anything more exciting to add other than pointing out a couple of those differences, but really uh, it's also kind of a, Beatles, but not as good as Beatles, and I think that's just because it's a cover from in that era with Bread. So I, I'm with you. It's not, you know, hey, I guess uh, maybe something to throw in on as a B-side to say, hey, um, we, you know, I dig it, and here you go, right? Let's add it. I don't know why else you would put it up there other than to do that. And before we continue, M23 is also, yes, it's on Dalim, also named as M23. It's another song later that has a different title completely, but we'll get to. But M23 is on Dalim as M23. That's it. Go ahead, Sam, with your review of Guitar Man. I'm glad I even last because I like this song. Um, Country Flyer 59, 
Um, Bless your it. heart, number two. Mm-mm-mm. And uh, <laughs> this, and this would have fit nicely on Everybody Makes Mistakes because um, that had a lot of country vibes to it. Um, Sam, well, do we need an intervention I, for you? You sound like yeah. a loser right now, man. <laughs> you need to. I think I need to cut the Indiana and get yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, continue. I'm just gonna walk out the room. I'm just gonna walk out the room and get another drink while you talk. Go ahead. I I think that's that's what it is. Sam needs to drink. If Sam drank, then he'd have clear perspective like you and I. Oh yeah, that must be it. Clearly, sorry Um, to interrupt. (laughs) So. The song, okay, probably the reason why I like it. This song is the poppiest Starflyer song I've probably ever heard. Um, because like you said, Jason, he doesn't do much to change the cover. And it's essentially a, a, a pop song. Bread's a pop band for all intents and purposes. So um, this song gives off more pop vibes than a normal Starflyer song. And I like pop music. Um, you know, just generally speaking, I like a well-crafted pop song. So I think the song is a fun yet somber um, song, especially in the lyrics, you know, just playing guitar to make another dollar. I mean, that's, once again, old man Jason. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it definitely aligns with, like, I'll throw the word out there again, ethos. Like, that's his vibe. And and I, I guess lyrically that makes sense. And let me just also validate you. You're right. It is damn catchy. Like, that's. Part of the challenge is I don't really like it, but the guitar, man, I mean, just it's going to be stuck in all our heads all night now. It's not. I forget about this song all the time. And you said poppiest Starfire song. Have you not heard Drive a Lot? Have you not heard freaking Fell in Love at 22? Like, really? Come on, man. Okay, when I say poppy, I mean it has that, it has that one hooky course, and it's fast. <laughs> Are you done? We need to move on. I want to love you, Sam. <laughs> All right, let's, let's talk about... Sam, I'm uh, going to love you. Keep green, dog. Let's all go to uh, Sunday school with Jason Martin as he tells us about the black jacket. <laughs> um, this song sounds like a Portuguese blues slash neon horse B-side. And we've had, like, three albums in a row of um, Dial M and... Um, My Island and Talking Voice versus Singing Voice that were all more slow albums so it's kind of great to hear some power chords again um, I never thought I would say I missed my Portuguese Blue but a little bit I missed those power chords um, and like I said this is it's like a biblical I love the biblical parable side of Starflyer 59 you don't hear it a lot, but every once in a while, like Pearl of Great Price, which is one of my favorite songs off, the, off of um, My Island, and this song, you know, just talking about, be careful, the devil's going to get you. It just sounds like such a Sunday school thing I would have heard growing up, and I love or it. The of Lamech, or the Days of Lamech. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, like, there's a few of them. Those kinds of songs, <laughs> I just, I don't know, they hold a special place in my heart. It's awesome. And, um, yeah, this, I feel like this would have been great on on a Portuguese blues for sure, but it's great. I'm, I like a, it. It's great. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go next, and um, because Sam and I swear to God, Sam and I we don't talk before this, but you're stealing from me, man. So um, I'm gonna start off three stars for this song, my 14th favorite song in this album. I put Power Court Flyer 59. 
And then I put, this song has sway and sounds like a neon horse song, dude. <laughs> uh, sometimes we vibe. That's why I keep you around, Sam. That's why we'll be forever. Um, this song's a jam. Um, he gave the kids a faster beat on this cut. You know, he mourned how he couldn't give them a faster beat. He did. Um, I don't want to, there's nothing really much I want to say more to it. I like the song. It's not skippable. I remember it. I forget the guitar, man. Like, even, like, right now, I'm trying to remember how it even sounds. I think I know the guitar. I can barely remember this song, but I definitely remember Black Jack. <laughs> what do you think, Jason? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you both. Um, yeah, I think, Sam, you, you popped up the power chord, uh, made a, a point of that, and I agree, right? It's uh, got kind of that lockdown vibe of, what, 2007, I think, is when this was released first. So um, it's got that, that same vibe. It only is featured on, you know, the, the Seven Inches and then the CD, you know, Ghosts uh, of the Past. So uh, I dig it. I, uh, man, I have nothing really extra to add. You all kind of locked it down pretty good i think it's a tight song it's got it does have the portuguese vibe and and i i like the good old power chords too and it's tight like how he's playing has really got a tight vibe it's kind of like i was trying to think of who to compare it to and i I don't know that like interpol came to mind but not really and maybe it's his like deeper voice with that i'm not sure but it is circa like it is um a timepiece like i think it's definitely circa 2007 where some of his stuff is i think transcends that right um it's timeless i think this is more in a capsule (laughs) of 2007 and i'm okay with that i love it I've never heard one Interpol song. I hear that band in like Ski Patrol and like this bands. I'm just like, I'm like, <sighs> whatever. Yeah, it's not a fair comparison. It's just I don't know. It might be because I've never heard a song by him. You might be right. I don't know. You probably are right. <laughs> uh, I think I'm stretching it, but it just gives me that vibe of like that era. Well, Jason, right. we don't want to steal any more stuff from you. So how about you tell you lead us off on. The most unique Starfire song, I think. Broken that's, a, that's an interesting word to use for this song. Yeah, go ahead, Jason. I <laughs> I think we I think we've debated yeah. this a little before. I I actually mm. I I like the song. I think it it's a foreshadow of Low Time a little bit. It is an interesting song. You've got Zan on there, right? And um lyrically he wrote it so it's definitely a different vibe and it's it's a david Bazan, you know like vibe <laughs> altogether. i dig it i think um i think it's interesting so you know i think this is the only song that i'm aware of anyway from a starfire um song that jason had a guest vocalist I believe is that correct? The only one. It is absolutely the Low Tom song, but Low Tom wasn't invented yet. So right, exactly. That's kind of. So I think oh hindsight twenty twenty. <laughs> oh um, my god! I know. I know. Aaron's not a fan. I actually, I'm more of a fan of Low Tom than I am of of anything that Pedro. I, I like Pedro the Lion. I like some of it. 
um, David Bazan. I like some of it. But I dig Lotom, and I think this is just a fine foreshadow of what's come with that. I'm okay with it. What do you all think? You might get the golden goose of bless your hearts for that comment, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> no, I knew that was coming. Can you, I get a trophy? Can I get the gold? I want you to buy, that I, I think I think you might deserve it for that comment. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think every podcast should have a golden goose that you ship around to your or guests. Blue raspberry, or blue raspberry <laughs> one. We'll do whatever. <laughs> Sam, you want to go next? Man. You can go next. Aaron, say your piece so I can end this a little bit. <laughs> yeah. this You can just guess. It's not going to be good. <laughs> It's not going to be terrible, though. <laughs> oh, sorry. So, surprise, surprise, my 20th favorite song out of the 20 songs of this collection. Still two stars, though. Because, again, a, Jason, a bad Jason Martin song is still better than 90% of the other artists out there in the world. So, And so this is the base, essentially the demo from Lost My Shape from um, the Dave um, Bazan. The song, Lost My Shape from the Curse Your Branches song um, album, which is an amazing album. I would say it's probably my favorite thing that Dave Bazan did that would make Low Tom look like your kids making music at three compared to like Leaf Air Stranger. It's like <laughs> ridiculous. You said that Low Tom's the best that, uh, you're getting a trophy, Jason. Um Yes. It's cool that it's, it's cool that it's cool that him and Jason were part of this. Um, that that he that Jason brought him in, and like you said, that he's the only lyricist that's ever been on a Starfire song. And sometimes, you know, it just doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah, the the guitar sound is quirky, and doesn't sound like Jason. What Jason normally does, and I'm I'm assuming Jason did the guitars. And it's quirky and it's it's off kilter. And this is what makes this song two stars because without those crazy guitars, this song would easily be like like a half star. Um, it's it's it, the guitars in this song are very interesting. Um, I love Bazan as a vocalist, and I know a lot of people have a problem with him. I love his vocals, but on this song, his voice, his vocals just sound crazy, and they're not the part. I don't know what it is. I just don't like it. Um, I still, and this song's still de- decent. I mean, it's two stars, but lost my shape. It's like a five, like four or five star song. And so when I hear, when I hear this song, it's like a demo for that. So it kind of like, again, track listing and context of everything. Like this is the collection of songs. So if this was like on another album, like if he, if Dave Bazan had this on another album, it easily have been like a negative three star. But in the context of everything, it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, listenable. Um, and yeah, this and I, and I'm thinking, uh, Jason and David did the song like, oh man, you know we could do something in the future. And this is probably the beginning of low time. God, God forbid, <laughs> take it away, Sam. <laughs> uh, so I, I like the song. Um, it's you know I like Dave Bazan um, for the most part. Um, I may not like necessarily agree with everything he says, but generally speaking, I like his kind of poetic yet bleak outlook on life. I find really fascinating and interesting. Um, I agree with everything he says, which is what makes this song even more depressing. But go ahead. 
um, the music gives me slightly more dynamic Pedro vibes. So like, um, when I first heard this song, I just come off of listening to like, um, uh, it's hard to find a friend and control. And so I was like, okay, this is like Pedro, but actually like, you know, not just a sledgehammer being beat against the guitar. It's actually a little bit dynamic. It has some of that Starflyer flair to it. It has some Jason Martinus to it, which I appreciate. Um, cause, um, Dave Bazan has a tendency when he, on his albums I've listened to at least, um, I haven't listened to like Curse Your Branches as much. It's just very straightforward. He's, he's a storyteller at heart. So the, the music is kind of second to that. So I, I really appreciate the more dynamic Starflyer guitars here. And I really like the lyrics. They're telling the story of a broken pedestal, you know, like someone you used to respect. Not so much now. Now I, I see how much you screwed up, and I just I'm not respecting that pedestal I used to pit you on, which really is just a morality tale of this is why you shouldn't pit people on pedestals. It's a dumb idea. Everyone, if you like, like those Starfire biblical songs, you'll love Cursor Branches. It's just a collection of biblical. It, yeah, it's you'll love it. You need to get into it for sure. <laughs> I've heard some of Curse Your Branches. I, I know it's a, it's an interesting album. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's it, my thought. It looks like it looks like too in addition to uh uh Lost My Shape, right, where lyrics were adapted from this song. It looks like um Messes from Strange Negotiations from Bazan was uh where the music was adapted from the same song, right? And if you, was if it? you do kind of yeah, and if you do kind of an AB, you listen. Um, Sam, Sam, you're like spot on, right? Like you can tell it's a much more contained adaptation. So clearly, I would have known that, but I've just kind of I forgot to mention just looking it up and researching before we chatted. And um, when you do AB it, you sense uh, a much more you know contained interpretation in messes. Like you said, straightforward. He's, you know, Dave, Dave is more of a lyricist. And this song kind of expresses it a little more loosely and has that vibe. So in Messes, uh, by the way, too, Jason Martin is credited on writing that music. So intriguing. From yeah, I do remember right? that. I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. So let's move on to the next song. Um, another uh, demo version from Dial M, Taxi. Um, as the, the guys on Magnified Pod would say, love that bleepity bloopity, right? Um, so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some, some great analog synths on here. It gives me Brothers Martin vibes, which yes. was, came out around the same era. This is, it was like this, um, the last Bon Voyage album and Brothers Martin were all right within like a year of each other. <laughs> It's crazy how much those Martin boys produce. Um, I don't think they sleep. And I also really love these lyrics are exactly how my brain works sometimes. Sometimes I just jump from thought to thought to thought, wishing I was anywhere but here, right? Like I just, I'm tired, man. I'm exhausted. And I wish I was anywhere. Just find me a taxi and take me. Take me there, man. I don't care. Um, also, um, this may once again be uh, Jason reflecting on all the X-Man members of Starfire 59, like 
you know, he, he's been through five whole bands at this point, and uh, he might be reflecting on all the people who've had to leave the band for one reason or another. Um, so yeah, this is just a great song, um, and definitely worthy of being on Dial M, even though I do like the Dial M version better. This song's, this version's pretty great. Aaron, tell us about it. Okay, so again, going back to the track listing, so we've, for the last few songs, we, my 12th favorite, 19th favorite, 14th favorite, 20th, we're in no man's land at this point, right? <laughs> like, it was like, we're just, and Ronnie, when we had him on Rose Martin, he talked about that no man's land part of albums. And then, bam, here we go. The fourth best song on this album, Taxi. Four, four stars, man. This song should have been a single. Um, hey, I'm with you. I don't know uh, which version I like better, this or the Dowlin. Um, it's slight differences, but I'll enjoy both. Um, this and Good Son, Good Sons from My Island. Yeah, shout out back to that. Should have made Jason Martin an indie rock pop star. This song is just ear candy. We talked about poppy songs again. You talking about freaking guitar man, Taxi. Way more popular. Um, the drums are thumping. The chorus is super catchy. This song just grooves, and those synth lines are having perfection. Like you can put the song on loop over and over again. I love it. So good. What do you but think, you, Jason? How did Death Cab for Cutie become huge and not Starfire for Cutie? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Or Postal Service. Like this, yeah. and even Spooky. Like, oh my gosh. It's, it's just maddening to me, man. Sorry. Go ahead, Jason. <laughs> no, I'm with you. We, we can all take a moment of silence and wonder the same thing. Awesome. So, um, <laughs> 4%, man. Um, and I'm... I'm with you all. I think, uh, I think Taxi, Taxi's arguably could, you could say it's a little ahead of its time. I would say when this was released, you, you, you had some bands that were, you know, becoming popular, kind of writing postal service wave in terms of getting some of those synth sounds back. And then, you know, you had some of that happening or I don't know, around this time, maybe closer to 2010 though. I think it was a little ahead in that sense, and um, I dig it. I dig that pop vibe too. I think, I think it's a. I think you could release this song today, is what I'm trying to say, and it and it could be well received, you know. Exactly. And here we are, it's, right? Like 14 years, 15 years later, right? 15 years later. And you know, and speaking of which, this recliner, which is my favorite Starfire song, which was released in. Gosh, this pandemic's messing my brain. Was it 2020 or 2021, Sam? Help me out here. It's 2020. 2020. And the sentiment of that, like you were saying, Sam, I just want to get in a cab or Uber. This song should be called Uber now, but yeah. or Lyft <laughs> or Lyft or whatever. <laughs> What's up? I'm gonna need you to. <laughs> I'm gonna need you to retcon your lyrics, Jason. You're gonna need to retcon exactly. that. Change it to Uber, Lyft. We got to keep it relevant. Yeah. Know? Yeah, exactly. Gotta be pronoun positive. You don't want to offend anybody. Um, but, 
<laughs> but um, yeah, but the sentiment of that, like in this, this recliner, I just want to go where I'm not tired. And I so resonate with that too. Like, you, you know, being a dad and working and having these obligations, it's just like I'm tired all the time. And, and just doing this podcast, you know, I'm tired all the time. It's just like, yes, I mean, it's just, again, like we talked about before, he's not writing about how abortion is murder or like Jesus without Jesus you can't have any happiness he's singing about real stuff you know like and right. who doesn't want to just want to get away from it all like you know who you know you know who loved doing that all a lot Jesus always trying to get away from people hated being around people like constantly praying by himself <laughs> so yeah <laughs> so um, it's yeah so anyway so um right. we're done with taxi right we're done with taxi. Let's move on to Gangs of Riverside. Who wants to take it? This, wait, wait, wait. With taxi, yeah, okay. we aren't done. Yeah. It's okay, time okay. to get petitions out. We got to okay. have it retcon for Lyft or Uber. <laughs> taxi 2.0, baby. You know, I think we could just tell Jason, can you have seaside releases? Like, it's just the... <laughs> <laughs> and then three years from now we have robo cars it's gonna be a robo whatever it's gonna be the electric car so it's gonna be it's, okay i'm sorry i don't know if you guys watched um yesterday um the the movie where the beatles songs were all erased from except for one guy i remember them uh, came you out know of, i didn't watch that you know anyhow i didn't so see this, that this is a conversation between you and jason right now i'm out okay <laughs> There's a there's a scene in it where there he's he's a uh, you know recreating Hey Jude, um, the Beatles' most popular song ever, and Ed Sheeran's like you should change it to Hey Dude, just to <laughs> right. just to drive home the point to be like don't change these lyrics, man. Like they're they're timeless. It doesn't matter if it's reference to something else. Let it be. That, really? That's Hey Jude is the most popular Beatles song for real. That can't be right. It's is like, that right? It's often named one of the best pop songs in history. Really? Yeah. All right. I'll take your word for it. I've never heard that song. I've heard other Beatles songs, and I've never heard that one. Um. All right. Moving on. <laughs> about... No bless your heart. You're not gonna bless my heart on that, Sam. You, you sound like I feel like a bless your heart should should have came out. You man. <laughs> if you want to live in that sad, sad world, you do it. <laughs> it's a happy, happy world. Love and peaches. But go ahead. What we have? Gangs of Riverside. Um, it's an instrumental. I love instrumentals. We haven't had a Starfire instrumental in a hot minute. Well, we had Spooky, but you know. <laughs> and then this is also the first name drop for something Riverside, California related since Silver. We haven't had something referencing Riverside since then, and I just, I love that. Like that is true. Yeah. My, uh, I don't know if oh, I... Oh, no, Point I, Express. No, there's a Point Express on the references Riverside. I can't think of right now. Okay, well, that's, that's Pony Express. No, no okay, way. okay, you meant Starfire. Okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> so, I don't know. I just, I, I love a good instrumental. I love the, the title of this song. Um, I wish, you know, Gangs of Riverside. This song sounds like the intro music. For a failed TV show that Fox canceled after one and a half episodes, um, that's the TV show Gangs of Riverside would have been. It been <laughs> that sounds like every song in this album, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Jason, tell us your thoughts. 
<laughs> you guys are cracking me up. I uh, this is uh, this one just to me has pure Cure vibe. Like the Cure is just oozing out for me personally. I think it's uh, which I love. So that's a good thing in my opinion. Um, and as an instrumental, I can vibe with that. So that's what I got for you. I'm I would in. take a four Cure Flyer Fifty Nine instrumental album. I would love it. Cure Flyer Fifty Nine. Mean, <laughs> if it were like Gangs of Riverside, I'm in. That's really interesting because again, here we are. We're on song eighteen of this collection. Gangs of Riverside, the third best song. We're at the bottom, and we're still got bangers coming, man. This four four stars. I would love an instrumental album from Jason. I think he could like just even on Vanity the um. Help me out here, Sam. The intro from Vanity. What is it called? Uh, it's the I instrumental. Um, I was just listening to Vanity the other day, though. And I'm like, man, that's a good intro. Why did I forget about that? Whatever. Y'all know. The first song. Asunder. Yeah, Asunder. Asunder. You're right. Asunder. The be- okay, Life in Bed, Sunrise, and then Asunder. It's, it's an amazing song. I, I, I just need an, an instrumental flyer. <laughs> 59 album. Um, anyway. Um, of all the B-sides, I wish that this would have made it onto Dial M. Um, this could, I mean, it's only like, what, 33, 4 minutes or something like that? Something like that. This could have easily made it up there. I don't understand. It could, it could have been like at the start of the first side, the second side, I'm sorry. It would have been perfect. I don't understand why I didn't make it. Anyway, um, I, it's okay, the perfect. what should have happened. Yeah. This should have been okay. the intro song for Dial M, and then Smooth mm-hmm. would have been the flip side. Oh, yeah, two instrumentals. You're right. I'm about to buy vinyl press and then make copies of it where that happens. That sounds amazing, Sam. Yes. That's what should have happened. Yeah, you're right. You just broke my brain for a second. Okay. This <laughs> that Bless sounds amazing. Heart, <laughs> no, thank heart. you, Sam. Thank you, Sam. That's amazing. That's exactly what should have happened. I agree a thousand percent. It's the perfect marriage of rock and electronica. It's very hypnotic, and like I mean, I've mentioned before in other episodes, like there's these hypnotic Star Five Fifty Nine songs where the music just hits, and like I just don't even like I'm just like caught up in. It. I'm like I'm not even like really conscious of what's going around. I'm just like up in the music like no new kind of story i drive a lot and like for years i didn't know like like especially like no new kind of story like i was like oh there's lyrics to this like <laughs> like, after, like maybe like 10 or 15 times i was like i didn't realize there was words to it it's just so caught up in the music and this is one of those songs man it's just amazing this song so you, just, yeah go ahead no so do you think like i wonder in the collection that was put together, is this, you know, since these are a lot of B-sides, right, was this uh, um, intentional to pay homage? Like, you have Guitar Man, you have M23, these, were these influences? Like, how, how are they chosen? Like, when I do a cover, it's because it was an influence, and I respect it, right? And I want to put my spin on it. And then you got Gangs of Riverside, which obviously isn't a cover, but to me, I, I don't know, am I alone in hearing kind of like a Cure influence there? And if so, because it's an instrumental, and it seems overt to me, is that paying homage? Like, what do you think? 
I'm not a big Cure fan. I love Friday Night in Love. I know. I'm sorry. It's a great pop song. I can listen and repeat. That's really all I know about the Cure. They just like uh, super emo, and I can't get into it. This is like, yeah, this is like disintegration sure. era. Whatever that is, sure. <laughs> Sam, are you? I, I, I can't. I have to speak to the Cure. I need to your task. I've gone to it. I take your word for it, but it, but you're right. I wonder how. Yeah, I wonder why these covers too, and I wonder why this song. Like, it is just like, why didn't it make? Why didn't this get on Dial M? This is like better than eighty percent of things on Dial M. Like, I don't yeah. get it. I don't I get it. Like to see it flushed out, even if it became a song later on, right? Like, keep it as an instrumental here, flush it out, and then and create and title it something maybe different, add lyrics and singing to it. And I don't think so. It, no, no, I don't. I, I know because I was talking to Josh Julie the other day too about Lazy Susan Serenade, and actually my I was playing it for my five six year old son. He was like, "Why is there no works to this song?" So I asked, I said, "Josh, hey, my six year old wants to know why there's no works to this song." And he gave me an amazing response. I can't. I'm prepared for it. But basically, he's like, "Sometimes you write music and lyrics don't do it justice. You're just yeah. um, music will speak better than some words." I was like, mm. "And I think this is one of those songs too. Like it doesn't need words." It just speaks I, to me on so many different, so and that's mean. my last, my last note. There's so much, like, when I listen to this song, there's so much that goes in my head, and, like, I think lyrics would have, like, distracted me from, like, listening to the music, which it shouldn't have. And I agree, that, and I'm glad that it's yep. instrumental. Awesome. I'm sorry, sold. Yeah. All right, let's go so, ahead and move on um, to... One of the best songs in his collection, um, but that's just because it's a good song. It's a uh, great song. Because I loved it on Dial In, too. The Brightness of the Head. Um, also known as, on this version, uh, God well, Forbid. God Forbid. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's uh, what you were referencing earlier, uh, Samuel, when you were talking about so. M23. Yeah, yeah. This one yeah, that's, so, yeah. so on the 7-inch final, um, it was released... Before the, you know, obviously the CDs on there and Dial M, and it was uh, God Forbid, which is in and the it was lyrics. Also on, it was also on the Ghost of the Past, it's God Forbid, too. Yeah. Mm. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Cool. So, Jason, tell us about it. This is absolutely, I think it's my favorite song on this entire collection uh, altogether. So, Okay. I, okay. Yeah, I think it is. You know, to to back up a little bit, I would say one thing about this particular collection is the CD doesn't interest me as much because some of the best songs can be found on Dial M, for example. And so I'm happy with that collection. And albeit there are plenty like Kings Riverside that aren't. So there's plenty to listen to here. But it's the aesthetic of the box set. And Scott Hatch did such an incredible job, like shout out um, to the physical Phenomenal. media. Phenomenal. Yeah, what you said the earlier, best packaging of, of, of yeah. Best packaging of every vinyl release I have is the yeah, best. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. I'm really yeah. fortunate, as a side note, to have gotten it. I picked it up, I believe, from Cloud Postmortem, like after it was released. So I can't say like you, Aaron, I think you collected it as it was released. 
I didn't do that. I wish I had, I wish I had at the time, but it just wasn't collecting vinyl in earnest. And um, I'm so glad I had to pay the late tax for it, but it was, it was worth it to me because it's just, it's art in and of itself. Right. So that being said, um, I, I wouldn't have gotten turned on to a lot of these other great songs uh, without it, but the brightest of, of the head or, or God forbid, I just think Sam, you hit it. It's just a good song. Like, I don't think I can do it justice um, other than say everything about it, like the execution, um, how the melody hits, everything around it just really draws you in. And I mean, on Spotify, speaking of streaming, it, it by far out of this collection, I can't even tell you, like most of them have somewhere between 10 to 30,000 streams this is 200 and almost 91,000 hits just for this song now granted it they may be compiling that with the dial m release but um on spotify you know as they track that but i mean there's it's not just us right like plenty of people find this song to be um popular and something that they enjoy and i think to uh last little note for me because I don't want to take away um, some of the things I think you'll you'll probably agree with is uh, this is another song where I think um, he plainly speaks his faith but it's not in, in not in an evangelic way I think we've been like circling around that idea chatting uh, tonight where it's like he's talk, just talking about life he truly believes it he means no he, he, he yeah exactly yep it's a reflection of what's going on for him um, and or, or his life experience, one or the other, right? And uh, I think that's powerful because I can relate on, on many levels. Uh, I think, Sam, you brought up earlier, like, some, like, bluegrass or country. It's just about living life and the different experiences that you have. And I think that's human nature. So I jive with this 100%. Now, I, I still uh, follow my faith, but my faith is transformed from – 20 years ago, you know, when I probably was more singing along with, like, you referenced the POD, I, I, I had been bought into a lot of um, dogma rather than owning it myself. And then I think yeah. what Jason's lyrics appeal is the growth you personally have, you can relate. Like, oh, I, I can relate to this growth. Whether or not you're on the same journey as Jason or not, it's irrelevant. It's just I, I recognize a journey that he's speaking about and I can relate to a journey rather than pretending I know it all or that I've got it all figured out. And I think in, in the nineties and early two thousands and the Christian music scene, there was plenty of music out there and I contributed some of that in the almost famous sort of fashion. Um, and, you know, at the time that's where I was, I was very much like, Hey, evangelize. And I, I think as I've gotten older, I don't think I know that that has transformed a lot. And so the way he, just bringing it back to Jason in this particular song, the way he can just plainly say to live as Christ, to die as gain, I try and I try, I try and I try. Um, and, and just going into the other lyrics that maybe you guys want to touch on, but that's, it's authentic, like you said, Aaron, and I, I respect and relate personally to that and uh, find it to be um, just a fresher uh, breath of fresh air, you know, from a lot of artists who can say the same exact words, but not 
not so authentic and, and it doesn't translate in their music that way. It translates as trying to evangelize you, you know? Yeah. I think what this reminds me of um, and what you were saying, Jason, um, Derek Webb posted a few months ago. Um, Derek Webb, he used to be a part of Cajun's Call. I guess he technically still is. And he went. We know. Yeah. He, he went from a, a, a really um, Christian guy to more agnostic and now I think more atheist agnostic type deal. Anyhow, he posted a really cool post I liked a few months ago where he said, I just got done listening to Rich Mullins <clears throat> and listening to those songs. They were so sincere. It made me want to know the God that Rich Mullins was talking about. And I think that's kind of what you were saying, Jason, just when you're being sincere about what you're saying and not trying to push any kind of agenda, it just it draws people in rather than, you know, it's, it's the pulling in as opposed to slapping someone over the head with something. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree. And and you know, for what it's worth, I think there are plenty of artists who don't profess Christian faith and have lyrics of spirituality that are struggling. And I can relate to that too, right? It's the human experience. You too? Yeah. Yeah. It's the authentic uh, authenticity of like this human experience that we all have. And I think that makes it more powerful to your point, Sam. It, it makes you intrigued to learn more. Like I would love to sit down and have a drink with Jason and go like, he's always dodged. Even I, you know, it's been 20 something years, but even from what I can remember going to in the Midwest at Denny's or whatever, after a show and hanging out, right. He, he would just, eh, I don't want to, you know, he didn't want to talk about the meaning behind it, but it would be cur- I'd be curious if he one day did like a tell all book, there would be like 500 of us that buy them all. <laughs> well, he, uh, none you know, of us have, no, go ahead, Sam. We were just talking to someone who, who did we last interview? Um, it may have been Scott Hatch where he's like, dude, if you ever talk to Jason, don't ask him what a song means. He won't want to tell you that. Ask him yeah. and how it was produced, but don't yeah. ask him. <laughs> No, yeah, he's always dodged that. And here we are. We we have we're just talking about vaguely about the lyrics and everything, which is great because. And you're right. Like we all fashion our own gods. Like if you're Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, whatever, no two Christians, Buddhist, Muslims have the same god. We all fashion our gods in our own image. Some people see a genie god. Some people see an interventionist god. Some people see a hands-off god. You know, and yeah, you're and what you were um, what you're saying, Jason, the God that Jason writes about his song, just like Terry Taylor, um, Rich Mullins, Keith Green. This is the God. And this is why I still listen to these people. Like, I'm agnostic as hell right now, but I can still listen to and Jim Ronnie Martin, too. Um, and I can still listen to these people's music because it's not. A vengeful, it's not a vengeful, vindictive, transactionalist God. It's more of a God that's like based in humanity and just like wanting people to like be loved and and loved in dignity, you know. And I mean, I mean, I'm not gonna go to church, but you know, you're thinking about that type of God, you know. I I, I can get behind that. And the, you you mentioned the one lyric, and there's okay, so there's three. My three favorite Jason lyrics, and and in this song, which is crazy, it's my fifth favorite song in this album. But the, this lyric is my third favorite lyric. It's time, it's time. I've made up my mind. Oh, but I've changed my mind. That I've made up my mind. 
And that's what you're saying. As a person, you should not have absolutes. Outside, yeah. Okay. Okay. Outside of absolutes. Okay. Like you shouldn't murder, kill, do anything funky to kids, obviously. But there's very few absolutes. You should always be flexible mentally and spiritually. Saying that you're an atheist or saying that you ascribe to some faith to me is just so arrogant. For because for atheists saying there's absolutely no God, how do you prove that? How do you know that? But then when you say I'm a Christian, I'm a Muslim, this or I'm a Baptist, this is exactly what God wants. How do you know you didn't talk to him? You think you did, just like we said earlier. And again, another level two, you you wrote it down, but you made it up. We fashion our own gods. No one's ever talked to God. This whole prayer that you hear from God, that's all made up. It's so arrogant. Atheism and religion are the same thing. I think agnosticism is where we need to be. And when Jason talks about his doubts and stuff, I think, although he's a Christian, he's a budding agnostic because no one knows for sure. There's no way we can know for sure. There's no way we can know for sure. And if we're honest, super honest, we would accept that. We can't know. And we still haven't talked about this song. Can we get into the song? <laughs> talked about it a little bit, you know, how I did I mean, you're the one preaching over here now. I know, I'm a, I'm a former pastor, I can't help it, I can't help it. Y'all need to rein me in, rein me in. <laughs> okay, Sam, go ahead. You you were, you want to go or you want me to go? I can First. go. Okay, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I'm like that as oddly beautiful, um, it's kind of like a post-apocalyptic creepy but beautiful song um some nice acoustic guitars high octave keys really make it stand out um once again jason is leaning more on scripture faith we, we just talked about this for 10 minutes straight um, <laughs> but i do really love the lines in it a crooked tongue <laughs> crooked speech god forbid what i thought forgive what i think and it's one of those things, you know, we, we've all been there where we're like, why did I think that? I didn't want to think that. That's a horrible thought. Why did I do that? And um, this might be his best song lyrically ever. It's so much going on in the song. So <laughs> I think, you know, it's um, it's I think ultimately the song is kind of like what you were saying, Aaron. It's about not being arrogant. He's saying. I was the I was the fairest of them all, the biggest of the small, the sharpest in the shed. I was the brightest of the head. But then right Absolutely. before that, he says, "God forgive me." It's another Bible. Say, it's another me. one of your Bible songs. This is an Absalom song, David's son. Uh, oh, <laughs> you know, forgive me for my arrogance. Um, one of my favorite books of the Bible is Ecclesiastes. It's it is, the best. My favorite too. Sam, I love you. Because, you know, the whole entire book is about not being arrogant. It's saying, who am I to be so arrogant to think I got it figured all figured out? When you boil it all down, you should work hard and love your life and fear God. That's all you can do. Move on with life. And um, this song isn't saying exactly that, but in so many ways it is. So it's just it's such a good song. So good. <laughs> and And before you go, Aaron, also... These are little things that I, I dig, like, and I wonder, is it intentional? So, for example, uh, Mall Monarchy, uh, Monarchy, that actually has a line in there, even though it's a cover, okay, you were the brightest of them all. Is it just, like, did that influence some of that, you know, the brightest that of them all? That's a good point. You're right. You're right. I thought about that, too. Gosh, I'm sorry. 
I didn't even think about that. Your drinks are better than mine. They're making you more <laughs> focused. It's all it's whiskey, man. Turn to the dark side. Oh um, man, I'm rushing it hard. Vodka, I'm sorry. That guy just goes down too easy. Um, <laughs> but I wonder, like, I, I'm into that kind of stuff. Like, is like okay? So the aesthetic of of the whole, you know, packaging of the seven inches, right? There's something to be said there. But mm. also, like, going back, is is he paying homage in some of these B-sides? Is there is there a connection intentionally, or is it like, are we overthinking it? I want to go with, it's intentional, and let's make him a genius, whether he is or isn't. I think he is a genius. That. So let's um, go with that. I have a going list of, like, because I, I'm just confident that we're eventually going to land Jason. We're going to, like, a three-hour interview. And I'm like compiling questions already, and that's one of my questions. I remember writing that down. Um, but yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Aaron, <laughs> 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 before you just, here's my theory on Jason Martin's genius. Okay, he's, okay. Um, he's like that type of genius that doesn't know he's a genius. He just does all this magical stuff, all these great ideas. And he doesn't even realize he's doing it. That's why he always dies. He's like, doesn't everybody do this? He's like, doesn't everybody do this? Yeah. Is no, like this? Not everybody has a 25-year <laughs> musical his, uh, career. No, Jason, not everybody does this. No. <laughs> no, man. <laughs> now, tell me what this damn song's about. <laughs> All right, Aaron, you go, and then lead us into altercation so we can get this done. We've, we went too long. <laughs> You're gonna have to edit, aren't you? <laughs> no, I'm not editing it. It just yes. All the fans, you guys are getting everything. Just getting it all. I'm Love not. It. I'm too tired and sick of this. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron's just getting like super fun now. As the vodka's going down too, we could probably just continue for another hour. <laughs> Jay, it was, Samuel's just turned into Jason Martin right now. And just wants. To- no more shows. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So three stars. Um, my fifth favorite song on this. Um, um, Acoustic Fire 59. Love it. The steady drum program is also appropriate canvas for the song because there's a lot going on. So the, the musical landscape for the song is very simple and basic because it's about the lyrics. And we talked about them in Agnosium. Not going to get into that again. The music's straightforward and pulls the heartstrings. And like we said, um, when we had Terry Taylor on, he said that Jason has the ability to say so much with so little words. And he really does. And this is songs of shining example of that. That's it. Redone, God, God forbid, slash, Christ of the Head. Sorry, guys. And whole hour, not one song. <laughs> so going into altercation. Um, this is my 15th favorite song on this collection. Two stars. I wish God forbid would have been the closer. That's the, and I talked about the, the track listing on this multiple times, but this is the only misstep. Um, it, this should not have been the ending. Um, this is a good song though. Um, but saw it track is not dual overhead cam, but it's not Indiana either. Two stars, 15 overall. Um, Jason, what you got? Oh, I I really like this song a lot. Um, I think it's it's got a good tempo. It's tight. It's crisp on uh, the interaction between the guitars and the bass. 
um, there's this like slap off like reaction. I don't, I don't know in music terms. Um, I probably should know what that's called, but it, if you were singing, it'd be like a call and response. It's, it's, there's like staccato, which means like real crisp, um, hits on, on the guitar and the bass and they're kind of offsetting each other. So I kind of dig that. And then what I love about this, it's more for me, it's catchy altercation, such a cumbersome word. And he somehow makes that work and be memorable and catchy. So that's interesting to me as a musician and a lyricist and, and songwriter too. I find that um, kind of amusing and intriguing. And then finally, why I actually think this is a, a great song to end, while, you know, The Brightest of the Head or Slash God Forbid would have been a, a super strong finisher. There's, at the end of Altercation, there's this trail off of his guitar, like where the delay kind of trails, and there's this empty negative space that happens there. And I think it sort of just kind of puts the cherry on top of the song to end it, in my opinion. So... I dig, I dig it all the way around. I don't think there's anything all that, um, you know, life uh, shattering or life um, inspiring about it, but I think it's solid, it's catchy, and um, I, I do think it's an appropriate ending for, you know, my take anyway. Uh, Sam, what do you got? So, I mean... It's it's not like the perfect closer, but I don't expect this song to be a closer because it's a B-Sides album. I think this album is more about showing all the different ideas that were had prior to Dial In. That's really what this is about for me. So I don't care about the track listing as much because I'm just here. This is just the Museum of Oddities. It's not a complete story. Um, it's kind of like, you know, some some authors, they'll write like their trilogies and then... They'll write a addendum book that's just like, here's a whole bunch of random stories in vignette form set in that world. That's kind of what this album is to me. Um, this song reminds me a bit of uh, some of the kind of emo tendencies from old, um, especially with the lyrics. It's painting the picture of someone running from their sins and mistakes, which actually follows along nicely from The Brides of the Head. Like, it's just... Um, lyrically, they flow really nicely together. Um, and I really love the, the guitar solo around two minutes. Um, but I, it's just, it's not an earth shattering song, but it doesn't have to be to me because, like I said, this is an oddities collection. This is just some vignettes. And I, I really enjoy But I will say this because there's collections where it's like, it's just all over the place and it doesn't flow and it's just like, just hodgepodge. Um, but then there's sets where it's like, it makes sense and it flows, you know, and I think minus this last, um, misstep, it, it, it could flow together as an album. Like if Dowlin didn't exist, I think it would have flowed well as an album if Dowlin never was a thing. And that's what I'm saying. Which is amazing, which is amazing because you're right, because it's like a museum of oddities and the, the fact that it makes sense is amazing. I could have ever imagined a Starflyer album having more than, like, 13 songs. <laughs> yeah, right? You mean, have, you mean 12. Like, that's the long, like, what's the longest outside of this? Is it 12? 
I don't know off the top of my head. Um, he just, I don't think that. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he's not verbose musically. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, guys. T- Final thoughts here. Um, I like this collection. You know, if I was going to give it a rating, um, I did write one down, even though I don't think this is a proper album in any way. Uh, it is. To me, kinda. it's yeah, not I'm a proper kinda. album. But if it, you know, if this was, if I was to consider this a proper album, let me find it here. I gotta find where I wrote the friggin', where did I write the thing? Uh oh, Samson drinking some whiskey. Jason, we influenced him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Giggity, giggity, giggity. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's why it's up, right? I had it backwards. <laughs> yeah, you got some whiskey for show. Uh, yeah, you did. I got it backwards. Let's see. I gave this a 6 out of 9. Oh. Music 2.5, lyrics 1.5, overall 2, 6 out of 9. Good collection. I gave it, um, um, musically three, um, lyrically I'm with you, one and a half, how it holds up over time. <sighs> That's where it gets hard. Those, there's like three clunkers, but I think overall like two and a half. So I'm, I'm with you. What'd you give it? You said six out of nine? Is that what? Yeah. Yeah. I give, I give it that too as well. And well, if we're talking about the vinyl collection though, then with the package, I'm going to bump it up to eight because the package is amazing. Exactly. That's where I was going to go with this. Like, my my whole filter through this is with the vinyl first and not, yeah. the, uh, not the digital releases or the CDs. So I'm going to go with an eight because that just – that bumps it there for me too. And, and through the filter that Samuel said, like a collection of oddities, you have to put it in the right context, I think. And, and when you do that um, – it makes sense for me. And an interesting note, I, I would be curious to figure out, like, the key that each song is written in, because a lot of times when you are doing an album, what makes it an album is you, you have a certain um, mood that is kind of red thread throughout an album usually, right? And um, good, good, great albums do that. And that's they're similar keys that they're written into maintain that mood when you have b-sides like this they're written at different times for different collections a lot of times and so the key of a song could be different and i i've never like jumped into it but if you look between his other albums he makes key changes um even like the tuning of his guitar changes from from album to album at times so i would just be curious Mm. how he how that affects this is the nerd in me, like, going, okay, a collection of oddities, perfect way to look at this because it legitimately probably is, right? Like, I'm sure that yeah. that's the other reason for the order when you're looking at it going, how do we make it not so, like, such a stark contrast between songs in mood? Yeah. You have to look at what, what key it's written in. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like, it flows so well. It could have been, like, just – like, just, just like, uh, so jarring, like, one song, you could have had, like, you know, too much, too much fun next to, so you think a radical, like, that's so jarring, like, but you, that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Mm. But the, uh, vinyl, the seven, it just saved it. I'm going to hang on that note right there. Me Eight too. out of ten with the vinyl. I agree. And I've, I've never got the CD copies. I have no idea what it looks like, but, 
are and what it sounds like. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like streaming, you know. I've never listened to streaming either. I only listen to this exclusively on vinyl because, unlike Sam, I don't mind turning a disc over every after every song. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm American. <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> so anyway, so I have no more thoughts. Just that it's it's a great collection. I I love the physical copy of the vinyl form and. I know it's super expensive because all Starfire vinyl is, but if you can afford it, it's totally worth splurging to have it. The black version or the colored version. And that sounded racist, but I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe Scott Hatch can re-release it someday. I don't know. Maybe. maybe. Yeah. Mm, yes. Because Capitol Records owns all the Tooth and Nail back catalog and, you know, go to Capitol Records. They own all of us, Sam. They own all of us. We just so, don't know it yet. Yeah. Anyway, with that right. said, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. We finally got the Dowlin. So many songs. <laughs> it's the longest Starfire album ever. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. It's a labor of love, like we say. We appreciate every listen. We're doing our best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, thank you once again, Jason. Um, go yes. listen to his cover of The Dungeon. I need to find that. And get right for romance. Um, Google that and buy it. It's gonna be good, obviously. Because Thank you, guys. We're not gonna have any of my favorite music. Isn't good. I also, hey, when it's when it's influenced by Martin, you can't go wrong, right? No, yeah, somewhat. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe you could go wrong. I suppose. Let's just hang our so. hat on. Thanks for checking it out. Yeah, go, go, <laughs> go, do that. Bless your heart if you don't like right for Bless romance. Your heart. <laughs> <laughs> As always, this has been a Brothers King Media production.